one uh, believes in their time as reality. And, you know, if somebody likes punctuality, isn't it, to everybody to be on time, uh, if you're a really punctual person, I happen to be punctual person by nature or by conditioning anyway. <laughs> Probably more by conditioning. <coughs> so I always like to arrive early and uh, I hate, I, I dislike very much kind of coming in after everything started or running, you know, running to, rushing to the airport to just in time to catch the plane. I'd rather, you know, get to the airport an hour ahead of time or whatever rather than then rush in at the last minute. Other people don't seem to have the sense of punctuality. So, so then people that are used to punctuality, we suffer a lot from people that aren't punctual. <laughs> so this is suffering to observe, you know. Not, it's not that you know, to demand that everybody be punctual like I am. Where does that come from? You know, it's a, you know, I want you all to be punctual so that I'm not kept waiting and, and getting upset and fidgeting and, and I get into a nagging kind of mode and uh, intimidate you and, uh, and kind of tyrannize you. Then I make myself totally impossible to live with. So, but observing, I mean, we are the characters, you know, the characters we have are what they are. So we, you know, learn to, to, uh, to have that sense of observing it, not defending it, justifying it, or condemning it. And uh, the thing is, like, when, when observing this waiting and, uh, if you really bring it into consciousness, not, not analyze, it's not an analytical function, so it's not a critical function or figuring out why or this, should I be somebody who gets this, that's uh, so attached to punctuality and getting into self-analysis or whatever, that's not it. But uh, just observing that, that, uh, that waiting, uh, that feeling of expecting, waiting for something, for somebody to come. And as you, you, you really receive that feeling or that, that kind of um, mental condition, it, it drops. It'll drop away. Because the reality is timelessness, not time. If you begin to observe what time is, it's it's all about like waiting for the bell to ring, looking at the calendar, looking at your watch. It's uh, you know planning for the future, remembering the past. It's uh, it's all about sanya sankara. Time is is uh, you know what we create, the creation. And whether time goes fast or slow is, is emotional, isn't it? We think of it as, as you know, uh, 60 minutes in one hour and, and all like that. But yet, 
in terms of experience, isn't it? Time goes by very quickly. On an emotional level, if you're happy, time goes by very slowly if you're miserable. If you're in pain uh, and, and you're waiting for the bell to ring, five minutes of waiting for the bell to ring when your knees are agonizing is like five hours. And five hours of unmitigated happiness is like five minutes. <laughs> These are just my reflections. I don't know about yours. But it's recognizing how the assumptions we have around time and, uh, and, and what it really amounts to. How many, uh, like every evening coming in here, sitting in the seat there, thinking the evening chanting. How many evening chantings have I been to in my 38 years of monastic life? How many evening pujas have I sat there thinking this is the evening puja, the end of the day. How many Octobers have passed <laughs> and end of wasas and on and on like this. It seems, you know, like uh, looking back, of course, it seems a lifetime, it seems like a very short period, 70 years. It uh, doesn't seem like a very long time now. And yet, when I was uh, seven years old, 70 years seemed like an eternity. So numbers, clocks, calendars, are just the emotional habits we have, uh, you know, of how we create time, looking at the clock, looking at the calendar, planning for the future, remembering the past. Because the ultimate reality is timeless. So we're pointing to here and now, Pachubhanatama, here and now, rather than enlightenment in the future. Or getting your act together so that you can really practice sometime in the future. Or remembering past moments where you've really had, you've been on a retreat and had powerful insights. Remember, oh, I had wonderful insights the last year on the winter's retreat. And uh, then thinking that you have to, you want to have that experience again, the desire for, for another really meaningful, insightful winter's retreat makes us desire to have another one. But the <coughs> timeless, say, timeless, deathless, enlightenment, nibbana, all this is about here and now. In the simple imminence of awakening, paying attention. And in that, is, it's not a conceptual thing, isn't it? It's not, as long as we think it right now I'm somebody who has to wake up in the present and realize the ultimate, the deathless is that's another creation of the mind. This is beyond thought 
and memory. And remember, thinking is all from memory. Memory is uh, is uh, the conditions that we've acquired. So, and language is about memory. Thinking is memory. The sense of yourself is a memory of who you are, of where you're from, of of all your identities. These are memories that arise in the present. It's interesting. I was listening to to a program on the radio about orphans uh, who want to find out who their father or mother is. You know, children who were uh, whose uh, mother probably gave them up at birth and then they were adopted out somebody else. And then uh, so many of the stories about the desire to find out who your mother and father are. Have, even if you've grown up in a really loving uh, foster family, adopted family, you know, they've been actually functioning as mother and father. There's still this, the, 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 with orphans, at least the ones that were being interviewed, uh, the sense of something missing, like they really wanted to know who their actual ancestors are, their real mother and father. So then after they found them, you know, some of them would find them, and they said, has, has that satisfied you? No. Has that filled up the gap in your life, the lack in your life, the sense of incompleteness? Just, you know, because we can, we try to blame this, uh, our own suffering, or sense of lack, or unfulfillment, or incompleteness, on conditions, the things we have because we might be an orphan, or we, we haven't met the right person, or we haven't, you know, done something, we haven't had a child, or we haven't, you know, we, the thing is, we have to find the right person, have a baby, have the right job, um, and then, you know, to find ourselves, to complete ourselves, to really feel a sense of wholeness, and completeness. And this very, this, this very sense of lack is, uh, is uh, you can put that word as the first noble truth, dukkha. In fact, there's some book out recently on Buddhism where the, uh, the, the writer uses the word lack for, to translate the Pali word dukkha. There's something like a lack, there's something missing, something incomplete, something unfulfilled. So we, we can, you know, it's, it's, it's looking for ourselves, maybe we want to find out who we really are. What is my true self? What am I really? And, uh, and so we, we, we want to, you know, look, search for something that we can say is truly, truly what I am, truly mine, my soul or my spirit. But recognize that these are all uh, concepts again, a sense of self is a concept, a, uh, uh, you know, thinking I'm missing something, 
uh, I've got to complete myself or find myself or really know who I really am. These are the these are the proliferations of thought. So in the in the Buddhist context, it's the awakened state, isn't it? That's that's where the lack is. The lack of awareness is is the lack, is the dukkha. So it's like switching the light on, isn't it? It's uh, why is it so dark all the time? Where is the, where am I? Or is it switch on the light? Then you can. <laughs> So, when we use the word enlightenment, what is that? Enlightenment, switching on the light, awakening, being aware. And, and, and even though we can understand this, you know, understand the words, the reality of it is, is, to, you know, is to be realized, each one for themselves. So we're very good, you know, Western Buddhists, we're very good at understanding... Uh, concepts and theories and philo philosophical ideas and metaphysical uh, ideals and what's and on and all like that. On the conceptual level, we're, we're very quite clever, quite uh, prepared to, to think and uh, think intelligently. But thinking, it gets in the way. Because thinking is is uh, is just condition conditioning of the mind. So trying to think yourself to enlightenment or think uh, your way to nibbana is uh, you know it's an impossibility because the thinking process itself needs to be relinquished, no longer. Uh, identified with, no longer needed, no longer bound to that limitation. Thinking itself is dualistic. It's a limited function we have. It's limitation, isn't it? it when we're bound to thinking, then we're bound to the dualistic um, seeming dualism of the sense, sense experience. When I think about myself, when I think I am Ajahn Tomato, I'm creating myself very separately from the rest of you. And that it just, I'm Ajahn Tomato, you're not Ajahn Tomato. They were all Ajahn Tomato. <laughs> That's getting into absurdity, isn't it? <laughs> but then, uh, if we think, you know, when I think of I am. I am anything at all. In fact, the, the, the very thought I am gets in the way. The very thought I am is, a, is, a, is an obstruction. So what is before the thinking I am? Is I am the, the ultimate reality or is that's a, that's a habit of the mind, isn't it? In English we say, I am. In other languages they have different words they use. They mean the same thing. 
So getting to the reality, to the pure subjectivity, pure subjectivity is not ego. To be ego is a creation of through thought, through proliferation. And then so, so when I when I'm egotistical, then I become my personality. I think of me and mine and what I think and my views and my opinions and what I've done and and uh, my experiences and adventures in life and uh, and then uh, you know and the comparative uh, what somebody else has done and and so it's uh, this is the the function uh, this is the thinking function operating my history my biography, my curriculum vitae, me and mine, these are conditions of the mind. These are, these are not what I really am. These are merely based on memory and conditioning and habit. But that which is aware, the awareness of thought. So I am awareness of I am. So in, in uh, oh, mindfulness, awareness, that it's the I am is it depend, dependent on situations, but that awareness has is constancy to it, it is continuity. That awareness then is the gate to the deathless. Switching on the light, the light, the liberation. Timeless. Awareness is timeless. When we, when we create time, then we, you know, then we're back into the conditioning of the mind again. Now, there's nothing wrong with thought, or I'm not condemning thinking, or try, trying to, you know, have a serious case of Alzheimer's where I can't remember anything. <laughs> Or have frontal lobotomy, maybe. That might solve the problem. Have all the, the nerves disconnected in my frontal lobes. Uh, that's not what the Buddha recommended. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's uh, you know, like uh, awakening, the simple imminence, imminent ability to awaken. Now that's a reflection, reflecting on awakening, and then to me, that like this retreat, as they recognize that this is a um, just to explore this in your during this this week, uh, last week of the Vasa. More and more, explore, investigate. That which is aware, the awareness of I am. So even saying I am, you know, like uh, as I've recommended many times, intentional thinking, I am, and then, but the awareness is the is the is what I'm interested in, not in the words. The words come and go, but it's learning to recognize, realize 
the value of that awareness. That's pure subjectivity. That's the gate to the, that's the deathless, that's the timeless, that's the freedom. So in 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 uh, meditation practice, if we're just practicing always now to get something in the future, you know that's that's still coming from ignorance. The sense of I uh, I have to do something now in order to get the result in the future. You know, so what I'm suggesting is a very direct, very immediate, direct awakeness. And, and it, it's, it's subtle. This is when the, when the Buddha, when the ascetic Gautama was first enlightened, you know, uh, he first, his first thought was, oh, this is too subtle. You know, nobody's going to understand this. There's no point in teaching anybody. Well, how could you teach awakened here and now? How can you teach that? It's subtle, but it's very simple. <coughs> before, when, when before the ascetic Gotama was enlightened, he was a, a really super duper ascetic. You know, he could out-ascetic any of the ascetics, they say, in India at that time. He could starve himself better. You see these these images of the ascetic Gotama and when he was starving himself with his, you know, his, uh, the, his uh, skin on the stomach was touching his backbone and you know, all his ribs clearly defined, looked like a living skeleton and like uh, anorexic. <laughs> and he could get into all these high states, into uh, you know, into refined states of Brahma realms and Deva realms and jhanas and all the rest. So that is that does take that takes the commitment to conditioning. That's a conditioning process. You know, to to seek refined conditions so you gradually refine conditions from the coarse, grosser ones. They get more subtle and more subtle and more refined. But even taking it to uh, the ultimate, neither perception nor non-perception, neva sanya na sanya atana, the highest level, neither perception nor non-perception, still wasn't it. There's still the lack. The ascetic Gotama felt, still, there's something, you know, uh, this is this pretty good stuff, actually. But, uh, but, there's something missing here. There's still a lack. <coughs> so then the, uh, uh, you know, recognizing uh, that, and then just pursuing that, you know, was was not, was not what he was really interested in, just to, 
to live in a in a kind of uh, very refined state of conscious experience, but in awakening, in the reality, in ultimate reality, in deathlessness, timelessness, truth, freedom, not bound to refined, specially refined states of conscious experience. So, uh, then the the. Uh, Enlightenment of the ascetic Gotama was the awakening here and now. No longer was it demand, you know, time to do it. It doesn't demand special conditions, uh, you know, supportive conditions to do it. It doesn't, you know, it's not a matter of, of um, you know, practicing now to to. Uh, to get it in the future, but in awakening here and now. So what you know that sounds simple enough. I'm sure you all understand the words. What's the reality of awakening here and now for each one of you right now? For me, it's just this much. Do you notice the change? <laughs> I've transformed from, from being a personality to being... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm only joking. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's in the, in the, you can't tell, can you? You can't tell whether... <coughs> but you can tell in your, in, your, in your own experience. You know the difference. But it's subtle, you know. The striving self, the the personality, is like this. That which is aware of that personality. It's not object. You can't objectify it. You can only be it. So that that lack then is filled, isn't it? That's what. That's all that's missing. That's what's missing. Is that awakened? Awareness. Now, therefore, in the, in the teachings of the Buddha, he, he used the, like the five khandhas and these different ways of reflecting on the body, on mental states. You know, so it's, it's like you know five categories five aggregates, five khandhas. It's uh, putting them, you know, into, into groups so that, uh, you know, because the, the conditioned realm is so kind of incredibly vast and changing and from refinement to coarse to, to incredible distances and, and qualities And so, the, in terms of, of uh, each one of us, you know, the five khandhas is all we need to, to, to uh, review, which is this body, mental states that, that I have, my emotional habits, emotional habits, thoughts, memories, the body itself, sensory experience, the, 
the experience of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. Now what is it that is aware of all this? That can, what is it that, that at this moment can reflect on the physical reality of this body? That awareness, isn't it? Awareness, the body is in the awareness. This physical form here is in the awareness. The awareness is vast. It includes. Thought always specifies and excludes. You know, so you, you think of something, then you, you cut yourself off from the totality by, by focusing on, on a part or a piece or a bit. So that's where this awareness Intuitive awareness is this is this vast openness. Uh, it's it's a universal intelligence. It's not a conditioned kind of of uh, IQ intelligence. It's not genetic or anything like that. It's <laughs> it's, uh, it's universal. It includes everything. So within the, this moment, the, the here and now. The inclusiveness is what? The reality of that, that opens this conscious moment is not through focusing on something or trying to get rid of something or manipulate the conditions, but receiving them, receiving them, all that's present here and now, including what I see, smell, hear, taste, touch, think, feel, good, bad, right, wrong, magnificent, hideous, whatever, the qualities, quantities, conditions might be in the present. So to be mindful then is, you can't make yourself be mindful, just grasping the idea of being mindful, you've missed it. It's like, I've got to be mindful, mindfulness, mindfulness, because you, you, then you're grasping a view about mindfulness, which doesn't work. Mindfulness, you can't define it. You can't find it, you have to be it. It's a state of being that you recognize, and more you recognize than you value, appreciate this, Awakened, natural state of awakened awareness. So, and and so in the, so during this retreat, let's investigate or recognize this, like something really precious, something uh, you know, as the jewel in the lotus, as they say, or the Omani Padme Hung, or the, or the you know, it's that. Uh, that precious jewel. It's the lotus blooming in the midst of the inferno. And you are that, in other words. I mean, you don't, you don't claim it. I don't claim I am mindfulness. This is a totally ridiculous thing to say. And because it, there's no need to claim anything. It's the the recognition, the reality, natural being, 
that is a universal, not a personal reality. You know, it's not, I can't claim it as a personal achievement. Uh, something I can do or something that's mine. It's natural and it's universal. It's reality. So it's, it's like, for me, it, it's this sense of listening, relaxed attention, uh, well-being, not trying to get your samadhi, give up trying to get samadhi, and, and trying to get these, this and that, and get rid of your defilements and all that. Just see through that whole, that whole delusion of I've got to get something or get rid of something. And trust, uh, trust yourself. Just a, 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 a state of relaxed receptivity to even the misery of your mind in the present. Even if you're feeling miserable right now, welcome it, receive it. it you know, I found an amazing result, good result from from receiving misery with this sense of welcome misery. <laughs> well, well, I just get more miserable when I try to get rid of it. If you may, you probably have the same experience. Now this, uh, this is like investigating, experimenting with it. You, know. you have to trust yourself in this. It's not something, you know, that 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 uh, you know. You, you if we want verification from outside all the time, look it up in the scripture. Ask the teacher. Ask the the great teachers of the world. And uh, you know, go to all the great teachers and and get proof, because you know the personality is, is created like that. The personality is based on delusion, so you can't trust it. You know, so uh, so it, it the personality will never know anything. It's a, just a conditioning of the mind. That which is truly intelligent and and sees is the awareness. So just by exploring that I am listening, but you're 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 recognizing so this word like recognition or realization, reality. Here and now. It's not a matter of questioning, but of recognizing, realizing. It's just this. And the more you, then, because of we are conscious entities, the more we recognize it, realize it, then it, it we we trust it more and more. The the faith increases in it. Until that's the re that's reality, the passing shadows of thought and and emotional habits are are not real. You know, they're just like shadows or phantoms, and 
changing conditions. So that's enough for this evening and uh, I hope this is an encouragement for all of you during this week. Uh, I mean, this, I've, you know, I've given this sermon many, many times, so it's uh, <laughs> not new, I'm sure, but, <laughs> but uh, we do need, you know, we need c reminding. Because it's so easy to let the world take us over, at least from my experience. I don't know about you, but it's so easy, the power of the worldly, the worldly conditions and habits. They're so convincing, so urgent, so important. Now having presidential election in the United States and and the two candidates are just, you know, bad-mouthing each other, you know, insulting and abusing each other like crazy. Imagine having to do that with your life. You go around the country, the United States, saying how awful the other one is and how wonderful you are. I mean, how demeaning that would be, isn't it? And think of right here, Amravati, we don't have, we aren't doing that. <laughs> And then getting to the source of of it, not not just perpetuating more delusion. And uh, so <laughs> we're going to have to go around condemning or or blaming. I mean, it seems important, you know, who's going to be the next president of the United States. I don't dismiss the importance of that, but it's just pointing out how worldly conditions are important, or urgent vital, absolutely, you know, absolutely important to where we, we just got to give them all our attention right now. That's how they, that's how the conditions can affect me. Or it's just rubbish, nonsense, stupidity. Can't be bothered with that. We can dismiss this and the really get wound up, wired up for the really important issues of life. <coughs> and, and uh, you know, I do have my buttons that get pressed, you know, the, the things that really hit your emotional habit and wind me up and, and bounce me about on that level. But what I trust is this awareness of that. I, I no longer you know, trust any of those emotions. Because I've explored them, investigated, seen and seen them. I'm not trying to just, I'm not getting rid of them or suppressing them, but learning from that. That, that this awareness is the, is the refuge, is what you can trust. The emotion, even if it's for a good cause and terribly important and, and all that, you still can't trust it. It's a very ephemeral, very uncertain uh, momentary experience. 
So what is it that you can really trust, which is absolutely pure, stainless, deathless, timeless, at this moment? Don't look for it. Don't go around looking, you know. You don't have to go to India to find it. But <laughs> you don't have to go to Bodhgaya and sit under the Bodhi tree. Bodhi trees get old and die. But uh, the, that's the symbol, isn't it, for the here and now. Awaken. That's what the, the ascetic Gautama, that was what he realized when he became enlightened, when he, when he re re became Buddha, the Buddhahood amounted to this awakening. No longer refined, you know, clever refined states, but awakening, which includes everything, the refined through the course. Now this intuitive awareness includes, nothing is left out. Osama bin Laden, George Bush, they all belong in it. Islamic terrorists, uh, saints, demons, angels, right, wrong, good, bad, evil forces, uh, atrocity, demonic demons and, and all the rest. In fact, all that all conditioned phenomena belongs. I'm not saying, I'm not approving or disapproving, I'm just pointing that the refuge then is not with the conditioned phenomena, isn't it? Because conditioned phenomena is so ev evanescent, changeable, independent. So what the only stable factor at this moment is the awareness. That's what you awaken to and trust. In. That's what the Buddha realized, recognized. And then his teaching was pointing always to that. That's what the Four Noble Truth is all about. Pointing this lack, uh, the, the causes of this, this attachment, always looking for something, always in the control mode, trying to get something or get rid of something. To let go of these desires and to realize the cessation of conditioned phenomenon. The cessation of it, what's left when everything, when conditions cease is the awareness. It always ceases in the awareness. In this pure, deathless awareness. So I offer this as a reflection.